Welcome to the Bible Reading Plan podcast by Victory Point. One of the best ways to grow as a disciple of Jesus is to read and reflect on Scripture daily. We created this podcast to guide you through our daily Bible reading plan that helps us dwell in God's Word as we grow together in listening to the Spirit. Whether you're on your commute, doing dishes, or just getting up in the morning, we're glad you tuned in. Good morning. Happy Wednesday. It's the 11th of November, and we are back with the Bible Reading Plan podcast. Thanks to Jesse David Like, our guest for the week. Um, and we are going to jump in to Zephaniah chapter 1, verses 7. And then don't you dare read 8, 9, 10, and 11. Don't read them. Just skip to 12 through 18. <laughs> That's what you got to do. That's because that's what the thing says. So um, you need to follow the rules. Uh, Zephaniah 1, verse 7, and then skip to 12 through 18. Uh, Jesse, would you mind reading this one for us? I would be happy to. Thank you. Here's to, here's to hoping there's not as many funky names as mine. I don't see any. It, as first place, I, don't, I don't see any weird ones. No, the only weird name is Zephaniah, which is actually pretty a pretty cool name. Um, it is cool. I don't know if anybody could rock that these days, but yeah. Um, all right, here we go. Uh, verse one or chapter one, verse seven says, "Be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is at hand. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice; He has consecrated His guests." At the time, at that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will bring punish or I will punish the people who rest complacently on their dregs. Those who say in their hearts, the Lord will do good. The Lord will not do good, nor will do harm. Their wealth shall be plundered and their homes laid waste. Though they build homes, they shall not inhabit them. Though they plant vineyards, they shall not drink wine from them. The great day of the Lord is near. Near and hastening fast, the sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The warrior cries aloud there. That day will be a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet blast and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements. I will bring such distress upon the people that they shall like the they shall walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them on the day of the Lord's wrath in the fire of his passion the whole earth shall be consumed for a full a terrible end he will make of all the inhabitants of the earth Happy Wednesday. Good, good morning. <laughs> oh man, that is <laughs> that's brutal. Uh, you know, I gotta say, there is one thing that just stuck out to me, and maybe you can help put some historical context to this, putting you on the spot. Possibly, no, 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 don't do that to me. Okay, what is it? Um, it's verse twelve. Uh, uh, no, not twelve. I'm sorry. Shoot, where did he go? Oh, verse 13. It says, their wealth will be plundered and their laid houses. But this next part, they will build homes, 
but they shall not inhabit them. Though they plant vineyards, they shall not drink wine from them. And it just brought me to the Jeremiah passage where God's sending them into exile, but he says to them in exile to build homes and to plant vineyards for the city you are in. Like if you seek the city's prosperity where you are in exile, then you too will prosper. And it just seems like this, the stark contrast to those two commands uh, I'm trying to wrestle with, with um, I don't think they're contradictory. I think they're because they're in different circumstances, but um, the language was so similar. It drew me to that place. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's cool. It's interesting that, that um, there's that contrast between, you know, when they're at home, comfortable and complacent, they try to plant, you know, try to, uh, plant vineyards and drink the wine and build houses and live in them. And yet when they're sent away from Jerusalem, that's when they're able to actually live in the houses and drink wine from their vineyards. So there's an interesting um, contrast there um, between a place where they should be able to live in houses and plant vineyards because it's their nation and it's a fertile crescent, you know, and then when they get sent out into the desert into the exile, now they can do all the things they work. They on. really want to do at home prevented to do it from doing it at home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I really like that. Um, so I just did a little Google search. When was Zephaniah written? <laughs> so uh, written around 640 to 630. And, um, and so I don't know if he was talking about um, exile. Okay, so we just have to, we'll just have to, uh, I, I think he was a disciple of Isaiah. So don't we'll just have to pause that and let's do some research or something and then find out that's the thing with podcasts like this is we're just kind of on the spot with what's drawing our attention yeah. what drew my attention was um verse 12 i will punish the people who rest complacently on mm. their dregs those who say in their hearts the lord will not do good nor will he do harm um that may that feels like a new verse to me and the whole rest of the passage is predicated on it you know mm -hmm. that's the fulcrum of the whole thing then it goes into all the terrible things that are going to happen to god's people you know all this distress and ruin and all this stuff the day of the lord is bitter i mean all is because uh, the people in Jerusalem are resting complacently on their dregs, saying in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do harm. Basically, they're saying, um, God's not going to do anything. He's, he's not, not engaged. Yeah. God's not going to punish us, and he's not going to bless us. He's not involved in the world at all. So we're just going to sit here and enjoy whatever. Just have a, have a theology that God is far removed from them and won't do anything good and won't do anything bad. They're kind of alone. And that's what God is judging them for, is for, for basically being atheistic of just saying, yeah, God doesn't really care. God's not here. Um, God has nothing to do with the world. It so, reminds me somewhat of um, the letter in Revelation to Laodicea of like the not being lukewarm um, mm -hmm. because that's not something God... You know, lukewarm in wasn't something that would be worthwhile. Um, mm -hmm. And so this, yeah, God's not going to do good. He's not going to do bad. Like it feels lukewarm. Like there's not, 
any real power. There's not really any real like commitment or any like, um, yeah, it just, it reminded me of that kind of posture. Yeah. I was in a, uh, actually my the Christian university I went to, I was sitting in a, um, was it an ethics course? I was taking it with my brother. I have a twin brother. We were taking the same course and a Christian ethics professor was really pushing the class. And he was, we were talking about one of those dumb, like situational things in ethics where you're like, okay, there's a train full of people. It's headed towards a broken bridge. Um, but, and you have the lever to be able to pull, to redirect them on a different train track. And if you do it, the train's going to go on this different track and be saved. But the problem is there's a little boy on that other train track and the train will run over that little boy for sure. Like what's the right thing to do? Do you let it happen and all these people die even though you could have saved them? Or do you send, you know, do you send uh, the train in the other direction and kill the boy intentionally, but you save all the people? And those are the kind of situations you're just like, just stop, stop it. What, what are you trying to do to us? But uh, I remember one of the kids in the class was like, not kid, he's a college student, but one of the guys in the class was like, I'd pray. I'd ask God to intervene and I'd say, God, come in and, and save these people from this train. And the professor was in like full academic, you know, rigor. And he was just like, that's, that's a cop-out answer. God doesn't act that way. When does God ever put his thumb into history and just change something like that? You know, like really like pushing the, like challenging us. And he was serious. He's like, when has God ever stepped in? And it was one of my proudest moments as a brother. My brother raises his hand because the whole class is kind of silent because the teacher's kind of on a rant. You know, he's kind of angry about that kind of response. My brother go, raises his hand. He goes, the incarnation? <laughs> <laughs> and the teacher just paused and said, okay, got me there. <laughs> but, uh, but that's like, that's the whole complacency under drugs, right? Like, it's all up to us. There's a, there's a world that's headed to hell. And the only other way to avoid it going to hell is by doing our own thing. It's going to have collateral damage. So God's not going to actually come and rescue us. We got to figure this out on our own. And there's going to be, you know, bloody and broken bodies left in our wake because of the decisions we have to make to, in order to save ourselves and, you know, get through this terrible life. And that's a violent even though it seems complacent, that's an extremely violent uh, perspective on life to say that um, God is not going to rescue us. We're going to have to do this ourselves, which is going to inherently involve evil and violence when people try to take their rescuing into their own hands. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. That's, that's kind of what came to mind when I thought about saying complacently on their dregs and just believing that God's not really going to come and do anything. It just reminded me that ethics professor of like, when is God ever going to come and rescue and actually stick his hand? It's up to us as humans to figure this out. And that is the opposite of the way of God's people. God's people have to wait for God to rescue them and trust that God will really rescue them or else they end up in a worse situation than when they started. Yeah, which is what we see over and over in the book of Judges. Yeah. In in their rebellion is they end up in these terrible situations as they rebel against that. And then they get to this point of like, 
all right, God, there's nothing I can do to get out of this anymore. I guess I'm going to cry out to you, right? Go to the prophetess and, and then God rescues them. Right. Um, we see that cycle. Yep. Isn't it sad that we have to get into that cycle in order to remember that we actually can't do it? Yeah. Well, and to remember that God wants to dwell with us. Yeah. It's sad that we have to get to the rock bottom. If only we could repent earlier than that. And, uh, and realize that we need God's help much earlier than when we actually exhaust ourselves and, and uh, ruin things. But that's hard to do. It's hard to believe that, um, that we're not alone and to, remi- to be reminded that God is actually going to step in and, and be our savior. Um, I think we still have this atheistic perspective as Christians for most of the time. Practical atheism is what I mean. of just being like, I kind of go about my day mostly believing God is not really going to intervene. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's really sad for me. It's not a very uh, faithful life if you look at it that way. Yeah. yeah. So let's be honest with ourselves. Today, um, just as we wrap up, um, is, that, uh, is that your attitude today? The Lord won't do good, nor will he do harm. God just kind of sitting up there, doing God's own thing. I'm down here making my, my own way through my own life. You know, God will help me if I help myself kind of attitude. Um, or are we really trusting and waiting on the Lord, refusing to act outside of his provision, outside of his will, um, and being patient for his rescue? So that's a good gut check for me. Um, mm-hmm. I'm quick to act. I think I'm I'm quick to jump in and try to solve things or fix things or accomplish things. Um, can I take a deep breath and ask God to intervene? Um, especially when I'm encountering problems or um, when I need rescue or do I try to claw on my own and make even more of a mess? So it's a good hard check for me. Uh, thanks Jesse for bringing this stuff out. Um, we will be back with you guys tomorrow morning. First Thessalonians chapter five. Looking forward to that. So until then, go in peace, everyone. Have a great rest of your Wednesday. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Bible Reading Plan podcast. If you have any reflections on the scripture we just read, please click the link in the show notes to leave us a voice message. We'd love to hear from you. Let me send you on your way with a blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Mm